Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Biden and his puppeteers are single-handedly losing the war on terror. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carroll, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. And um, I am, if I sound a bit choked up, (laughs) I am because I have been immersing myself in all of the happenings, of course, um, in Afghanistan, all the deaths and the injuries and um, Biden's promise uh, five days ago or so to bring all the Americans home. And then he changed that promise. And clearly now not all of the Americans are going to be able to be brought home, not to mention the Afghans who helped us and not to mention all our troops. It is just, I'm sure um, you are feeling as shocked about this whole thing as I uh, am. And um, this didn't have to happen. You know, tonight when I was uh, driving home, I heard a host on a radio show say, um, you know, also sort of uh, throw up his hands in astonishment at all of the craziness that is going on, uh, how... (laughs) how Biden and his puppeteers are causing us to lose the war on terror. And he made this comment, and I have been saying this uh, on various interviews that I've done and so on, about how there, is, there are plans afoot. There are reasons why, uh, why this mess is happening. And I'll give you some ideas of that. But he said, and he's not, you know, a particularly, uh, he's not doesn't pretend to be a scholar on terrorism, but I don't think you have to be a scholar on terrorism to see that um, this is such a mess that you have to wonder whether there is some plan afoot, because it's hard to believe that all of this, all of these wrong decisions could have been made by accident. And, and that not just Biden, but the people around him are letting this go on. So I'm going to start tonight by, you know, one of the things that Biden has done um, is to blame the whole thing on Trump. He always blames everything on Trump. So why not the mess in Afghanistan? And you may not know this or remember this, but in 2017, Trump made a speech um, from the Fort Myer military base in Arlington, Virginia, to lay out his plans for Afghanistan. And it's a long speech, but I'll, I'll read you the parts that um, are the most relevant to today. Um, he t- first of all, he talks about you know, the military, what a wonderful military America has and so on. And certainly uh, they have shown that even in this mess in Afghanistan, because um, some military have stayed back and are still trying to get people out and uh, Af- Afghans as well as Americans, of course, and um, risking their lives, you know, doing things that they know are likely to make them get killed, but they're doing it still still to serve their country. 
And of course, you know, what's happening in Afghanistan is not only devastating for Americans and Westerners and anybody in the world who wants uh, um, a democracy or freedom or any of those, you know, words, um, lofty aspirations. Um, you know, I mean, you don't have to be an American to see that this is a mess because because um, Western countries, other countries who who counted on America uh, thought that America, you know, we were number one, um, thought that America would save them if they got into some kind of trouble are now, of course, realizing that as we go out with our tail between our legs, that they can't count on America either. So anyway, getting back to Trump, and so he was, you know, had some really um, true and kind words about the military. And um, he said, um, he, he said that when he, before he became president, uh, he had some ideas of what should be done in Afghanistan, but um, he, he, he said in his speech, I'm reading from his, the transcript of his speech right now, but all my life, this is Trump, but who said, who's saying this, but all my life, I've heard the decisions are much different when you sit behind the desk at the Oval Office. In other words, when you're president of the United States. So I studied Afghanistan in great detail and from every, every conceivable angle. After many meetings over many months, we held our final meetings last Friday at Camp David with my cabinet and generals to complete our strategy. I arrived at three fundamental conclusions about America's core interests in Afghanistan. First, our nation must seek an honorable and enduring outcome worthy of the tremendous sacrifices that have been made, especially the sacrifices of lives. The men and women who serve our nation in combat deserve a plan for victory. They deserve the tools they need and the trust they have earned to fight and to win. Second, the consequences of a rapid exit are both predictable and unacceptable. 9-11, the worst terror attack in our history, was planned and directed from Afghanistan because that country was ruled by a government that gave comfort and shelter to terrorists. A hasty withdrawal would create a vacuum for terrorists, including ISIS and Al-Qaeda, and it would instantly fill just as happened before September 11th. And as we know, in 2011, America hastily and mistakenly withdrew from Iraq. As a result, our hard-won gains slipped back into the hands of terrorist enemies. Our soldiers watched as cities they had fought for and bled to liberate and won were occupied by a terrorist group called ISIS. The vacuum we created by leaving too soon gave safe haven for ISIS to spread and to grow, recruit and launch attacks. We cannot repeat in Afghanistan the mistake our leaders made in Iraq. Third and finally, I concluded that the security threats we face in Afghanistan and the broader region are immense. Today, 20 US designated foreign terrorist organizations are active in Afghanistan and Pakistan, the highest concentration in any region anywhere in the world. And then he goes on talking about Pakistan and, and reminding us that Pakistan and India are two nuclear armed states. So now, you know, a lot of the um, terrorists 
um, or and a lot of Afghans. Um, I mean, people are escaping. The border between Afghanistan and Pakistan is very porous. You know, for people who want to cross, um, mostly from from Afghanistan. Well, in the past, mostly from Afghanistan to Pakistan, uh, they can find a way. So um, now he said this. Remember, he said this in 2017, and his words were true. And surely um, Biden's. Uh, puppeteers, you know, knew of this speech. It was a, it was a very, uh, like a classic and a very, um, you know, historical speech that Trump made. And um, Biden knew or should have known um, what Trump said. And now I know that, you know, whatever Trump said about anything, Biden has chosen time and time again already, regardless, you know, before Afghanistan, um, to change it, to purposely go out of his way and do the opposite just to, you know, that's what a child does who doesn't like a friend, you know, who, who betrays a friend uh, or, 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 or even an enemy, just some other person, um, you know, they, and it's spiting their, they cut off their nose to spite the face. And now Biden is cutting off not only his nose, but the whole of the noses of all Americans in his incredibly dangerous and cowardly retreat from Afghanistan. Now, um, to bring you up to date, um, well, actually, maybe by the time you hear this, they'll certainly, I assume more, more devastation will happen. Um, but so far, there were, there was a bomb blast, and they're still trying to decide whether it was one or two bombs, one or two suicide bombers, or however the bombs came there. You know, it's all, of course, it's all very vague, because, you uh, uh, the reports from there are very vague because it's just chaos. Um, but anyhow, we have had 13 so far as of now, we've had 13 troops die and there have been many, many others, uh, many, many other people um, who have died and who have been injured and so on uh, in Afghanistan. And, um, you know, there was at one time, as I started to say, um, Biden said, that um, all Americans, he was going to get out all Americans. And then he said, a little while later, he said, well, a lot could still go wrong. Well, a lot has gone wrong. Uh, this bombing, for example, making it hard for people to get to the planes to be rescued. Um, they, you know, they, they're the instructions to Americans, they've been getting mixed messages as far as whether they should go to the airport and try to get on a plane or don't go to the airport because they're going to bomb the airport. I mean, just uh, trying it's it's to look at the pictures and to hear some of these reports. It is so, so I mean, just trying to put yourself in their place. It, it's just it's hard to get your brain around um, what it must the desperation the people must feel in Afghanistan about trying to get out. And, you know, we, there's no way that we're going to be able to believe the various, or the various numbers. I mean, we keep, keep getting different numbers as to um, how many people, how many Americans are left there, how many Americans are, were rescued. I mean, you, you, there's no way to believe these numbers. But, but what, we, what we do know is there are still Americans there. Um, they're admitting between 500 and 1,000, which means there are far more. 
And, you know, it's so uh, outrageous. Biden has been blaming the Americans who are still there, like it's their own fault, basically, is what he's been saying. We told them he's trying to claim that they were warned um, months ago, uh, like in March or April, that uh, they they received some kind of warning, so he claims. Um, wh what we don't know exactly. I mean, they couldn't have been warned that this was going to happen because surely they would have gotten out sooner. Um, but, you know, he's blaming it on them. Well, we told them something <laughs> and uh, and they chose to stay. So, you know, it's their fault, right? You know, wh whatever Americans chose to stay, at least for now, I mean, you know, at least uh, until now, um, there is no way that these Americans would have believed that they were going to be left behind because America doesn't leave people behind in our whole history, you know, and that's particularly a motto of the various armed forces, you know, the military um, uh, corps. We don't we don't leave anyone behind, not just soldiers or Marines or, you know, whatever uh, group it is, but Americans, of course, as well. So clearly, they didn't give enough of an explanation of what was going to happen. And clearly, they didn't, they didn't even, well, <laughs> you know, he kind of goes back and forth between what they did know and what they didn't know, and, you know, what they should have done and shouldn't have done. And, and, and it's just, they're just lies, um, delusions and lies. And um, the really serious thing about all of this, and then I'll go on to the next segment. But the one thing that I want to really drive home is that this is not about just the tragedy in Afghanistan. I mean, it's not just about the, the tragedy in terms of the people being left there and, and the violence there and all of that. The, the real uh, tragedy or the greater tragedy uh, or the tragedy yet to come is that we are letting in terrorists by the by the camel load i know that's that's not pc but and, and that's not exactly how they're coming but um they're coming in the planes because they're not vetting all the afghans uh some of them were our friends and that's why some of the soldiers have stayed behind because they they feel um a comradeship with them they don't you know after they were so helpful to the american soldiers um they don't want to leave them behind but but those, in addition to those, sneaking in amongst those are known terrorists. I mean, we know this already now. Terrorists that were on the watch list have gotten into America just from Afghanistan, not to mention all of those who are on the watch list who have come in from our southern border. So the real, I mean, this is a, I don't mean to minimize this, uh, what's happening already, but in addition to this, we are really going to be um, in deep trouble as people are coming here who um, still believe, you know, who, who are real terrorists, who believe who in taking over that non-believers should be killed and should be, um, and America should exist under Sharia law. Well, I will continue um, when we come back to... Um, to analyze uh, the mess that is over there. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking about uh, the chaos in Afghanistan and what that means for um, the US 
and and not just the U.S. I don't mean to just focus on the U.S. West Western countries in general, but certainly the U.S. I mean, actually, there have been terrorists who have already been uh, or and wannabe terrorists who have already been um, traveling to Afghanistan to join a terrorist organization. It's a buffet of terrorism. <laughs> that's that's a good way of describing Afghanistan. A buffet of terrorism. You can join the Taliban. <laughs> You can join Al-Qaeda, you can join ISIS. It's called ISIS-K in Afghanistan. Um, you know, you can have your pick of, of which terrorist group you want to belong to because uh, they all have the same goal of, uh, of overtaking the West. And now, of course, uh, they have many more ways of being able to do that. Uh, we are more, America is more, at risk than nine, at 9-11. Uh, one, because of our president being so weak and incompetent and demented. Um, two, because they now have all of the, the um, weapons that we are leaving there. I mean, you know, there's talk of taking some weapons home, but <laughs> we're certainly not gonna be able to take the trillions um, that we spent and, uh, and fit them on the planes and so on. I mean, it's just ridiculous. The things that come out of Biden's mouth, which really tells us that we can't believe anything he says, we can't really believe what he says about COVID or about anything else because he's lying, making these blatant lies about Afghanistan. So it, it really proves, and he does it with the same uh, blank face uh, that he says all these other things. So it really proves that we can't believe anything and we shouldn't believe anything. Um, also, you know, we've let our guard down. Another reason why, uh, terrorists are more able to, you know, overrun us, attack us and so on than 9-11. Uh, that was a, a relative surprise on 9-11. Although of course there was the, uh, first attempt on the world trade center in 93, but you know, that there was a bomb and so on, but, um, but that was a much, much more minor attempt. Um, and so we've let our guard down in many different ways. And, um, and that's another reason why we are more vulnerable to attacks. Um, we really, we really have to, um, we really have to one thing, we really have to start building up our own, each American and Westerner has to build up their own resilience psychologically and physically because, um, which I know is a tall order after we've been kind of beaten down by, by COVID, um, but that is what we have to do in order to, uh, in order to prepare for these oncoming attacks and duct tape is not gonna work. Um, let me tell you some more about Biden. Um, uh, there are five reasons why Biden's poll numbers have dropped. Um, I have put, put together five reasons by now, you know, every day with more, um, more horrible atrocities happening in Afghanistan, there are more than five reasons. I mean, more reasons every day, which um, makes me wonder, quite frankly, why, why they haven't been giving him the hook yet. Um, and that's part of what I was actually part of what I was starting to say before about this radio announcer who was saying there has to be a bigger plan afoot. And I will get to that later. 
Um, anyway, reasons why Biden's poll numbers have dropped. First of all, Americans are not as dumb as Biden and his puppeteers would like to believe. Two, Americans are good people whose hearts break when they see other Americans stranded in Afghanistan with little hope of rescue. Three, Democrats are very disappointed that the president they voted for could betray them this way. Now, remember, of course, most 99% of the people who voted for Biden were really voting not for Biden, but against Trump. It was mainly the people who didn't like Trump who got Biden elected. They would have elected a pig if, uh, if that's who was running on the ticket. Four, Democrats are finally having to face the truth that Biden has dementia and is too cognitively impaired to be able to do abstract thinking, meaning he's not able to see the big picture in Afghanistan in order to have gotten us out in a better way. Now, you would think, however, since we have, you know, all kinds of advisors to Biden, it's not just him, we have all kinds of military advisors. Of course, they were being uh, distracted our military and the, the chiefs and so on um, with, uh, with becoming woke, making the military woke and getting everybody in the military vaccinated. That's what they were thinking about. They weren't thinking about Afghanistan. Um, five, Democrats don't care because while he's distracting, this is what I was, one of the examples of what I think the plan is afoot, why they, they know what they're doing. I mean, they know they're making a mess. They know, they know that this is leading to the destruction of America, really. But in the meantime, um, the Democrats don't care because while he's distracting us with his heartless travesty in Afghanistan, Nancy Pelosi and friends are sneaking through bills about the budget, elections, immigration, etc. So even, if, so even if Democrats lose in 2022, as they are likely to do, the bills will already be passed. Now, that's one of the things um, that is a reason, a deeper reason, as in deep state, <laughs> reason for why um, he, he made such a ridiculously outrageously hasty withdrawal, even though, as I read you at the beginning, Trump warned about this in 2017. Now, it wasn't just Trump who, um, well, maybe it was, I shouldn't take it away from him. But, you know, he, 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 was in, he was big enough to admit that what he thought before he became president, you know, he realized that when he became president, he should consult with his advisors, and he should think about this uh, in all different ways, and not just, you know, come in with this big idea of what he was going to do. And he said he studied it. And, and you know that, uh, I mean, from his, all his businesses, he has a very analytic way of studying things. And I'm sure he got, you know, asked military um, advisors of all different kinds for their opinions and so on. And that was part of his analysis. And he put together a plan. And, um, and, <laughs> and uh, it must be said, um, certainly, that if, yes, it is true that, that uh, Trump had set a date, and, um, but as he said in his speech, I don't know that I read you that part, um, but he, he, I, in his speech of 2017, he did say that if there was any, um, any uh, you know, if they ran into trouble at any time, and he said that again just recently when he's been criticizing Biden about how if he had been doing this, um, at the very first sight 
of there being of things not going as they planned. In other words, let's say, for example, um, the Afghan army, you know, weren't fighting as as um, as strongly uh, and dedicated with as much dedication as they expected. Any of these things, the Taliban, um, you know, crossed the country, overran the country quicker. I mean, at the very first sight of that, Trump would have said, wait a second, because because the big difference is that there is no way that Trump would have wanted to lose. And if you're not a Trump fan, you know, you could say, well, maybe it's because of his ego that he didn't want to lose. He didn't want to be seen as the president who lost the war on terror. Whatever, whatever, you know, I don't think I don't believe that it was just his ego. He really does love America and has a good sense of what this this loss in Afghanistan is going to mean for America. But anyhow, um, you know, I've been tweeting up a storm about all of these different things. Um, you know, the the Taliban uh, put together, even though they live in caves, <laughs> except for when they're overrunning palaces and so on. Um, they, you know, they're not. Um, I think I think Biden and and probably a lot of people didn't give them as much credit as they deserved. And I mean, they're very violent and they're 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 animals. They are animals. They're primitive animals. But at the same time, you know, um, they're crazy like a fox. They did have certainly you could see that at their press conference where they portrayed themselves as teddy bears. And then of course uh, these these were all lies. But um, but I, and they didn't read a teleprompter. They didn't have to read a teleprompter. And they did answer the journalists' questions. And they made themselves out to seem like teddy bears. And like Afghanistan, you know, was the new club med. <laughs> so, um, so they are sh shrewd in very evil ways. And um, Biden did not give them enough credit for that. And, and I say Biden, but, you know, it's Biden. There's no Biden there. <laughs> there was no there there. Um, he gave a press conference. I don't know if you saw it, but it's the first one that he gave when he finally came out of his hole. Um, you know, he was in Camp David watching television while all of this was going on for days. Um, he didn't come back to the White House. And, and then when he did come back, he lost his way. He didn't go the right way to the White House. I mean, it was ridiculous. Uh, he is so, uh, before the election, I talked about, I warned people, I did lots of radio and television shows warning, warning people about how he had encroaching dementia. Now, you know, you could say, well, that maybe a lot of people probably thought this was just a political thing that I was saying. It was not a political thing. It was a thing that I was saying from my years of experience as a forensic psychiatrist, uh, including cases where a person's competency is at issue. So I am used to uh, examining people for their mental competency. And um, I did not personally examine Biden. But um, some of the things that he showed, some of the symptoms of dementia were so blatant, you didn't have to really just um, sit down one-on-one -on -one <laughs> to elicit these things. And in his first press conference, as, um, as the, Taliban, the, the Afghanistan uh, crisis was beginning, he finally came out of his hole and he gave a press conference in which he had to squint uh, you know, it gets worse each time just to read the teleprompter and then he wouldn't take questions. That's what I was, I was comparing him to the Taliban who, who didn't have a teleprompter and, and did 
answer questions. Um, and he, 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 the way he looked on um, television, you know, the, the televised uh, speech, um, it was like uh, 1984 and Big Brother. Did you ever see um, a movie or a play or something of 1984 where they show Big Brother or, or even just from reading the book, you can visualize it, that Big Brother does not show emotion. He doesn't have emotion. And um, and he is standing on on the screen solidly like like no showing no emotion, just looking like an automaton. And that is exactly how uh, Biden looked. He had no emotion. Now, part of that, I think, is related to the dementia. But part of it is apparently as days are going by and he is showing himself to be heartless, totally heartless. Um, I think in addition to the dementia, it's just that he really is an unfeeling man who cannot um, empathize sympathize uh, with the people left in the American, the Americans, the good Afghans left in Afghanistan, uh, and certainly not with the military who have been giving their lives um, to try to win the war on terror. Well, um, I will stop here. And when we come back, we will analyze it some more. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking today about Biden and his puppeteers single-handedly losing the war on terror. Um, one of the, in, in a more recent uh, press conference, uh, when Biden decided that he would answer a few questions, uh, when it came to be a question that was a little too on point, you know, that he didn't want to answer. He put his head in his hands and he looked down. He took a fetal position. You know, um, when we're in the womb, <laughs> we're in a fetal position. And when we get scared uh, by something, we instinctively, many times, many people will instinctively go into a fetal position without thinking about it or planning it or anything else. It's just an, an instinctual reaction to, um, to fear. And that is what Biden did on stage, on a press conference, in a press conference just recently um, with the whole world watching. And in fact, it's you know all over the newspapers, all over the internet about his being in a fetal position. Um, I mean, it was the most human, I think that's probably the one picture or one of the pictures that will um, last throughout history um, that as, as America was being slaughtered and losing the war on terror, that Biden, our president, was in this fetal position and being weak and not, not doing what he needs to do. Do you know, Today, I finally, uh, you know, each because I, I get, I'm getting so frustrated with how all of this is being handled um, in terms of what he's not doing and what danger he's putting America in, that I get more and more uh, vicious, I guess, in my, uh, in my tweet. I don't know if it's, well, maybe vicious, you judge, but um, more certainly less, less um, polite or less... I mean, telling it like it is more and more and more uh, since apparently, since nobody is getting the message in terms of doing something about it in Washington. But so I've been, so I wrote a course about the fetal position and how, um, 
you know, what this means and how bad it is and all of that. And I finally uh, called upon his wife. I did two um, ats, you know, on, on Twitter when you can send it specifically to somebody. So I did an at to Dr. Biden and an at to uh, uh, FLOTUS. Um, uh, and I don't know if she saw my tweet or not. <laughs> I hope she did, or I hope somebody did who told her about it. But what I wrote was um, that, to, words to the effect that the first lady um, or cares more about, you know, that she, that Jill Biden or Dr. Biden cares more about being first lady than about her husband. Because um, at this rate, um, he is either, he's, he's um, wrecking, ruining America, destroying America, and, and he's ruining his health. I mean, he's going to die. He's really, how much, that, that's, I keep wondering this. What more does Biden have to do before finally somebody comes in with a hook? I don't mean literally, although that would be fine, but um, comes in with a political hook to take him off the stage. Um, I mean, every again, it's not, I'm not the only one one who who uh, at this point can recognize that he has dementia and he has these problems with abstract thinking and somebody with it's like playing chess. Um, you need abstract, good abstract thinking to play chess because that means that you can see the whole picture and that you can figure out what the other person is going to do. If you make this move, what's the other person going to do? And then what move should you make after that? And so on and so on. You know, the best chess players are the best at abstract thinking, figuring out the many, many, all, all the moves ahead so that they can, um, or all the options that they have to win. And Biden um, does, doesn't, is not physically, mentally capable of that. And so somebody, the thing that does still boggle my mind, uh, aside from the fact that, you know, I was saying one, one reason for them making such a mess of this is to distract us so that they can get certain bills passed. But um, a deeper, worse uh, reason is something that I think I have mentioned before, not today, but in, prior, in a prior podcast or two, about, yes, um, about uh, Obama, who uh, was the worst president of all, in my opinion, and particularly worst in regard to terrorism. And I have said since, since for years now, since he became president and did various things that were so um, inviting towards terrorists to come in, he made things so much easier for terrorists um, or wannabe terrorists or terrorists at heart, not necessarily people who made an attack yet, but um, who have the same, who have, are in sync with the plans of radical Islamists. And, um, and of course, now inviting them in, in all these different ways, you know, from Af Afghanistan and from the South and all of that. Um, so I have always felt that his childhood, you know, where his father was a Muslim and his stepfather was a was raised as a Muslim, and he was raised in um, uh, a madra in madrasas uh, where they taught, uh, I don't know, I, I won't necessarily say radical Islamist uh, teachings, or he won't, well, let's put it this way, he doesn't admit to that. But, um, but in, in, and I am not, certainly I always have to say, because I don't want to be misunderstood, 
Um, not all Muslims are terrorists, and of course, not all terrorists are Muslims. However, radical Islamists, which come from all the different um, terrorist organizations, you know, Taliban and Al Qaeda and ISIS and so on, there are smaller uh, versions of these, you know, um, outshoots of these terrorists. Um, uh, they, ra radical Islamists, um, do believe in, uh, they have twisted passages of the Quran to um, get people to follow them and to believe in the idea of killing non-believers. So, um, so I do think that consciously or unconsciously, Obama um, has this, you know, the things in anybody's childhood, not just Obama, um, what, what happens to us in our childhood, whether it has to do with religion or um, seeing our mother battered by our father or um, you know, whatever, whatever the, our childhood traumas were, um, that they shape us. And sometimes they shape us in very negative kinds of ways. Um, and, and, and as much as we would like to forget about these things, you know, push these things that keep these things in our unconscious mind, um, they do affect our behavior. And so, um, so I, that's all I'll say for now, but I think, I think you have gotten the picture that basically uh, Obama is friendly to radical Islamists. Let's leave it at that. And, and that is what is happening here. That is, you know, we are making, we have made ourselves much more vulnerable to terrorists of all different uh, uh, types. And um, as they are coming in, and, and even, uh, you know, even ones who haven't moved into America yet, <laughs> um, there are other, I mean, for example, 9-11, well, 9-11, the terrorists had come to America, but we are we are just in danger in various kinds of ways, 9-11 type ways, um, much more insidious kinds of ways. Um, and and, you know, if you haven't seen this, you really should look at it, although although it is very distressing. But um, you may well have seen the Taliban pose in a picture in a um, put themselves in a pose with our with our equipment, by the way, our military equipment. They, they posed in the same way as our military had posed um, at Iwo Jima. When we declared victory um, at, Iwo, at, at Iwo Jima and we planted our American flag at Iwo Jima and the Taliban did copied. I mean, that's why I was saying earlier about they're not as dumb, even though they live in caves, <laughs> they're not as dumb necessarily as we might want to think. They're kind of shrewd and they obviously have paid attention to these things, some of these things. Um, and they made that that pose, uh, which, which was photographed and it's all over the place. You can find it on the internet. And um, what does that say? Why did they do that? That was to show us they have claimed victory in the war on terror, just like we claimed victory in Iwo Jima. So, so you know, that kind of says it all, really, um, because 
because uh, it's, you know, it's not just about a country like, you know, some people say, oh, well, Afghanistan, you know, that's far. We don't even <laughs> many people don't even know where it is on the map, but it's far away. Right. We all know it's far away. <laughs> um, but uh, it may be far away geographically, but it has now become a haven for terrorists, a nurturing place for terrorists. I mean, we could only hope that they would fight with each other, but which, yes, I'm sure, you know, some of that happens. But on the whole, you know, when you have a common enemy, America, then um, you can work together for this common enemy, except that some people, some, some of the terrorists would like to uh, claim that victory for themselves. But, um, but anyhow, so what's, what do we do about Biden? Um, you know, what do you do with a problem like Maria? What do you do with a problem like Biden? Well, a lot of people are saying, calling on him to resign. He is not going to resign. There is no way he would resign because the people behind him, notably Obama uh, and others, um, don't, don't want him to resign because he is just the face. He is the puppet. They are pulling the strings. As long as Biden is in front of the camera, even if... Um, even if he's, you know, making a mess of himself and our country and, and being an embarrassment to America. Um, but as long as he's just out there as the face, you know, then they can be behind the scenes pulling, literally pulling his strings. So he's not going to resign. Of course, there's been talk about impeachment. Um, but that nothing seems to be happening with great speed, this, enough speed to do something about Afghanistan. And I keep calling for the 25th Amendment, which means if a person is unfit uh, to serve as president, either physically or mentally, they can be booted out by the 25th Amendment. Well, if there was ever an example of who fits the 25th Amendment on mental grounds, it would be Biden. And he has a whole uh, history of medical problems, which are related. You know, he had medical problems in terms of um, uh, bleeding in his brain and so on. Um, so there's a whole history that accounts for his dementia, although it could be also from other reasons, but there are vascular, there are vascular reasons um, why he, that could explain his, his dementia and his transient ischemic attacks and that kind of thing. Um, so what should we do? <laughs> what should we do with a problem like Maria or like Biden or like Afghanistan? Well, I think the thing that we need to do, and I'm not pretending to be a military strategist or genius. I'm just, I'm just kind of, I've just been studying this and I don't pretend to have studied this as long or as in de great detail as uh, Trump did, but, but um, it seems obvious to me that on moral grounds, as well as on military grounds, um, and on security grounds and probably a whole bunch of other grounds, um, like the morale of Americans, what this is doing to our morale, um, he should be, instead of taking, continuing with taking troops out, he should be bringing more troops in, a whole slew of them at once to stop what's been going on. And that's what Trump would have done, like I was saying earlier, if, if you know, if, 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 it would have been obvious, or it was obvious pretty early on that the Taliban was going to be making this uh, uh, swell foop, you know, um, across Afghanistan. 
Uh, that is when more troops should have been brought in. And certainly now with what has happened with the bomb or bombs and the 13 troops, American troops killed and all the other uh, damage to people from those bombs and also just from the Taliban, you know, before the bombs and after the bombs, the Taliban has been killing people and uh, injuring people right and left. So this is a declaration of war. If the, if the pose in the uh, form of Iwo Jima wasn't an obvious, which it should have been, that was a declaration of victory on the war of, in the war of, on terror. Um, and certainly the, the bombs and the, the, all of the brutality, the violence towards Americans and, um, and Afghans and um, that, th that, those are declarations of war. I mean, there, there is no way that we shouldn't answer that with more troops or more air, um, you know, whatever kinds of uh, abilities, uh, military abilities we have should go, should be going in there in full force right now before more Americans are killed, more people are killed. And yes, there was this thing that just happened apparently because Biden had said, we're going to get uh, the people who did that, um, you know, who set the bombs, people behind the, the, ma the mastermind of the bombs. And apparently, supposedly, um, there was a drone or some kind of airstrike uh, that supposedly got the guy who was the mastermind, at least of the, of the bombs, at least that's what they want us to believe. Okay. But in any case, <laughs> that is too little, too late. And we should be going in their full force. And I'm not the only one, just, just to let you know, I am not the only one who is saying this. Um, because for those of you who are thinking she's a psychiatrist, what does she know about military strategy? And I'm not pretending that I do, but I do. I mean, I can see what's happening here. We are losing the war on terror. And it is not just a symbolic loss, which it certainly is, but it, we are going to be seeing the, um, the sequela of that, the, the results of that uh, very soon, because as we get closer to 9-11, I will be very surprised. It's certainly possible, but I will be very surprised if we don't have at least some lone wolves, some kinds of attacks between now and then. Of course, you know, it is, it is soon, um, you know, the time between the Afghans or the Taliban I mean, uh, calling victory and 9-11, that's not a very big span of time. So perhaps they won't have enough time to uh, mount something significant. But then again, there are terrorist cells in America right now, even before, forget about the ones who came in through the South recently and the ones who are coming through uh, in through Afghanistan. In addition to those, before those, there are terror cells in America. Um, and so, yes, you know, any one of these could be bolstered, uh, emboldened by what happened in Afghanistan and say, yeah, you go terrorists. Well, we need to, I guess what I'm asking of you is to please, if, if any of this makes sense to you and you feel my pain and you should be feeling your own pain, um, you know, looking at, at all that we sacrificed and all that our troops sacrificed, all the people who died, not only in 9-11, but the troops who went in with great patriotism to fight for America, went into Afghanistan with, with hearts full of patriotism and love for their country, and now to see this loss. So please call your congressman, 
uh, call your, you know, people, anybody in government that you, you know, your, your representatives in Congress, the Senate, the House, um, anyone who you can uh, think of to have to tell them that, that this is an outrage and they should get on the stick to um, to do something to take get get on the hook, <laughs> take get the hook and take Biden off the stage and call for more troops to be sent in. We also should be having protests. Now, I don't I don't I don't mean to be uh, I'm not calling for violent protests. I don't want to be uh, uh, pilloried like um, Trump is has been for, uh, uh, you know, allegedly inciting the January 6th um, riots, which are protests or whatever you want to call it, you know, which uh, the Biden and his puppeteers are, are claiming is terrorism and is worse than um, actual radical Islamist terrorists. They're focusing on that while we're going to be uh, uh, stampeded with radical Islamists. But in any case, um, so it I, you can, you sh in my opinion, you should protest nonviolently um, in D.C., in New York, wherever you live, um, and with, with posters and so on, asking for more troops to be sent into Afghanistan. That's my opinion. You don't have to go along with that, but I've, I've explained why I think that, and it's up to you to decide for yourself. Well, thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.